Thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information about Grace Hill, follow us on social media at gracehill901 or visit gracehill901.com. And I don't know about you, but as a, as a parent, maybe some of you are grandparents, maybe some of you are waiting to be parents or waiting to be grandparents, and, and there's a little bit of nervous anticipation about what the future looks like for you. I, I love the fact that our church is looking out for parents, looking out for grandparents. You guys have heard me say it this way, is that we never want parents to feel like they parent alone. And part of what we want to do, part of the way that we want to leverage 936 weeks is for parents and grandparents to embrace their church, the small group leaders, the life group leaders, everybody that serves in the life of this church, all of the influencers in the life of this church as another voice in your child's life. Another way to word it for our uh, discussion today, our, our conversation today is this is that we must widen the circle of spiritual influence. We must widen the circle of spiritual influence around our children, around our homes, around our marriages, around our church. We must widen that circle. And this morning I want to show you a powerful picture of what could happen if we would embrace this. A powerful picture of what could take place not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our children and their children. A powerful picture of what widening the circle of spiritual influence into our child's life could look like. If you've got a Bible, you can go with me to Acts 16 is where we're going to be. You can follow along. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can take out your phone and go to the YouVersion Bible app and download that. Track along with us there. It's kind of our digital bulletin. If you go to the bottom right corner, it says events. Once you click on it, or more, and then once you pull up the next window, it says events. If you click on events and location services are turned on, uh, you're going to find Grace Hill Church and all of the announcements, all the things going on in the life of our church, as well as uh, the message points today are all going to be there. But we see this picture in, in, in Acts, and I want to set the stage for you for just a second, because again, we're jumping right in, and, and I, I want you to know what's happening here. Uh, the, the mission of the church is advancing. And the kingdom of God, the, this, this, this movement that, that the early Christians just simply referred to as the way, is growing. And it's growing in large part due to one person named Paul. Now, we've talked a lot about Paul in the past here at Grace Hill, and it's growing through his spiritual influence. But I want you to see the power of a family, and I want you to see the power of what happens when we widen the circle of spiritual influence around our homes and around our families. Watch this in in Acts uh, Acts 16, verse 1. It says this, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer... But his father was a Greek. Now, again, I want to go back and read that again just so we don't miss it. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there. And don't miss the significance of that. This is not 200 years after Jesus. This is not 700 years after Jesus. This is years after Jesus. Timothy is an early follower of Jesus Christ. And notice what you see in this picture as well. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was also a believer. And so there's 
early, early, early spiritual influence that is taking place in this home. Now, we don't know how old Timothy was. Timothy could have been an, old teen, an older teenager. He could have been a young adult. He could have maybe been in his young 20s. But again, as we sort of see from Paul and his other writings, we, we know that Timothy was a young man. But even as he was a young man, he was, he was maturing in his faith. And there's some very interesting dynamics that we get just right out of the gate here in this, in this first couple of verses. We see that, that Timothy was a disciple, but his mom was also a believer, but she happened to be a what? A Jew. And we also see from these first couple of verses that his father was a Greek. Now, if you've got some interesting family dynamics going on in your household, Maybe some interesting sort of setup happening in, in your home, you can identify with this. That in just a few years after the resurrection of Jesus is the, the kingdom of God, the mission of Jesus, the gospel is spreading. Here's a Jewish woman who heard the good news of Jesus and became a follower. And somewhere along the way, her son Timothy has now become a follower of Jesus, but the husband is a Greek. So this is an interesting dynamic that happens and watches as, the, the, story, as the, the writing goes on. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And then here's the significance of this morning. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Now I have read these verses probably no less, hundreds of times in the past. I've heard these verses taught. I've read them in Bible reading plans. I've read them in my quiet times in the morning. And I have just skimmed right through that. But the significance of that verse, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Here's a young man who is maturing in his faith and a spiritual giant in that day, if you will, sees something in Timothy and says, I want him to come accompany me. I mean, this would be like the significance for some of you who know these names. This would be like the significance of Billy Graham rolling into town and seeing your kid, seeing the faith in your child and saying, hey, I want that person to join me. I want your son, your daughter to join me in one of my crusades, in one of my revivals. I mean, this was a significant moment in this household that Paul, who is advancing the message of the gospel, would see Timothy and would say, hey, I want you to come with me. And how was he able to do that? Because he, Timothy, was building his faith from the influence that he saw in his mother. Because it starts at home. We've talked about that. It was the first week in the series. It starts at home. And Timothy saw the faith of his mother, and I'm sure his faith grew, and he was maturing. And I can't think as a parent of a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-and-a-half-year-old, I cannot think of anything in my life that would bring me greater joy than to know that one day as, as my child got older, that there would be a giant in the Christian faith. who would see their faith, who would see their walk with Jesus, who would see how they are maturing in their life and say, you know what? 
I want that person to come and be a part of, of my mission to advance the kingdom of God. I cannot think of anything in my life that would potentially bring me greater joy other than all of my children to move out at 936 weeks. I mean, I can't think of much that would, that would bring me greater joy than to have a moment where the faith of my child was recognized. The passage goes on, it says this, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. Now, I just want to speak to that just for a minute. If you don't think following Jesus and discipleship will cost you a little something, you'll get it later. Okay, for they all knew, that was a joke, by the way, and you guys are, you'll get there at lunch, you'll be like, oh, I know, I got it, I got it. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered for them the observance of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. You can go back and read a few chapters before. There was all this tension about what was clean, what was unclean, what was socially acceptable, what wasn't socially acceptable, what steps needed to be taken to before you could actually follow Jesus. And, and, and these early, early, early church leaders gathered in Jerusalem and made some critical decisions. And so part of Paul's journey was he was communicating these decisions to all the churches so they could all be unified and on the same page. And watch what happens in verse 5. And this is with Timothy. This is with his influence. This is with part of his leadership. Watch what happens. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they increased in numbers daily. The churches were strengthened in their faith. And they increased in numbers daily. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Because this is what happened in this moment. There was, there was a moment where Timothy's mom was the, the primary faith influencer in his life. And then Paul came along and she widened the circle. Why? To accomplish potentially greater things, but to for sure expose Timothy to more spiritual influence in his life. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Widening the circle means trusting someone else to influence your child's faith. Now here's what's interesting is we get this in every other area of our life. I'll illustrate it this way. If you've got a kid and they play sports, you've got a grandson, he wants to play football or is playing football, you might grab a baseball or a football or a basketball and go out there and throw a little bit with him. But if you've got somebody in your house who shows promise as an athlete, guess what you're going to do? You're going to seek out somebody who's further down the road. You're going to seek out somebody who has skills, who has knowledge, who's been there, done that. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to pay them a whole lot of money to coach your kid. Your kid gets a report card, comes home, and the grades are suffering just a little bit. Most of us don't brush that under the, the rug a little bit. What do we do? We get online and we subscribe to some tutoring service or we go find a tutor somewhere and we bring them in and we pay them money to try to help our child grow in their area of, of academics so that they can make better grades. But oftentimes for so many parents, while the responsibility has to start at home and the responsibility to nurture your child's faith has to let land and rest at home. You don't have to own it all. 
So what we want to do as a church, what I want to see happen in every area of our church, not just in relationship to children, is we want to widen the circle of spiritual influencers into our lives. We want to widen that circle. And many of you are here today and you may think, you know, hey, listen, I've, I've messed up too bad in the past. I've got some things I'm struggling with in my own life, so, you know, I can't do this. Or, man, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. There was a message. I've watched it about four times. There was a message that was um, um, delivered this year for a women's gathering that we did called If Gathering. It was a live stream all over America, really all over the world and so many different countries. And this, this lady, her name is uh, Jenny Allen. Uh, not Jenny Allen, I'm sorry, uh, Annie Downs. She gave a talk about discipleship and how her grandmother discipled her. And when I saw this, I knew we were going to be doing this series, and I bookmarked it. We are going to play that. So her talk is about 16 minutes, okay? So hang with us. But it is powerful. And I think today it's going to challenge you, whether you're a grandparent, a parent, a hope-to-be parent, a hope-to-be grandparent, a spiritual parent into somebody's life. I think it's going to challenge you and stretch you and encourage you. Check this video out. Hi, friends. Listen, I know you've seen it on the internet like I've seen it on the internet. After every session, they put, take a picture of the speaker and they put like a little quote next to him and then all y'all share it. I'm not super quotable. And so I'm just gonna go ahead, Jenny, if it's okay with you, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you what to put. If you'll just put, Annie is single and wants you to set her up with your rich brother. Um, and just a flattering one and just put that right by me. Annie's single and like you said, does that sound good? Okay. I know you will, that's why I'm terrified. I'm actually terrified now. I am so grateful to be here. I'm a huge fan of If Gathering and a huge fan of God. And so when we get to do those two things together, I am just really thankful. I care deeply about discipleship uh, because I have been discipled really well for my whole life. From my mom, my grandmothers, uh, small group leaders, I've been discipled really, really well. In fact, I wanna show you one of my grandmothers. This is Ruth. They're gonna put, that's still me. There's, I mean... She is riding a camel like it is a bull. That woman is funny. I mean, of course I came from that. Of course I came from that. I mean, I just love her so much. Her name is Ruth. We called her Ma because I'm from Georgia and that's what we do. Um, And I grew up across the driveway from her and my grandfather who we called Colonel, not because of anything to do with the war because he looked just like Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken. When it wasn't Reba, before it was Reba, when it was a guy, she, he looked just like Colonel Sanders. And so Mon Colonel lived across the driveway from us. And so I almost grew up with two sets of parents, right? They were right there and Ma read her Bible. Ma prayed all the time. She loved to read. I, you would never catch her watching TV. She loved to read. I bet she loved Netflix, but we'll talk about that later. But she also loved puzzles. And the best part about growing up across the driveway from her is when my sister and I would walk down the driveway headed to get on the school bus, she would come out and meet us with sausage biscuits. Like she would like shuffle out in her, in her like robe. But, it, but before I get your brain twisted, it wasn't like 
homemade biscuits. She microwaved them. <laughs> she just brought it. I mean, it was like one of those two packs and she would just hand one to each of us, right? I just miss her. I, she's, she died about nine years ago and I find myself missing her a lot. I've had a hard couple of months and for some reason, she's the one I wanna talk to. And sorry, someone was gonna do it. Um, it's not that I specifically need her advice. It's not that I'm not loved by others. It's that she used to look at me different. And I found this picture. I probably won't be able to look at it, but I found this picture of us. And that is always how she looked at me. And I don't know why we were eating cake on the floor. <laughs> the 80s were so weird. Right? The 80s were so weird. But in my mouth is always open when there's cake nearby. You should know. You should know that before we go any further in this friendship, that that is the truth. And, and y'all, sometimes I wonder if this is what discipleship looks like. I wonder if the first step of actual discipleship is how you look at her. Right? I'm gonna say her a lot, but only, and not because I don't think women can disciple men, because I think we can but also because I think that um, it's easier if we just think about one woman. So think about one or the two that Discipleship Collective is gonna ask you to disciple. So I'm just gonna use her a lot. If, we, if we're really gonna do this for the long haul, if there's two things I love talking about, it's discipleship and perseverance. Because I'm telling y'all, the secret to this whole thing is perseverance. Life, pain, healing, joy, the secret is perseverance. And so if we will persevere, in discipleship, what will happen? I want us to look, uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me. We're gonna go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 4. And this is verse two. It's very simple. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Maybe discipleship that really lasts in people's lives looks like loving them for a long time. Maybe it looks like having great patience, having great patience. I mean, I was cute then in middle school. <laughs> Not as much, right? Great patience and careful instruction. Here's what is true, and I, I love it. The thing you have to know, that you have to have learned by now, whether this is your first if or your 90th, whatever. Um, we don't ever pre-talk about what happens and things tie together all the time. And so Jenny and Amy and I didn't talk about what they were talking about, but the truth is maybe we're making discipleship too hard. Maybe it is easier and we don't have to read 90 books about it. You can, if I write one, read it. Um, <laughs> but maybe we don't, maybe we are making it too hard. We are using too many words. What if discipleship is way easier than we've been treating it? So let me tell you how Ma discipled me and she never used that word once. Let me tell you how she discipled me the first 28 years of my life. Um, I used to take ballet, I know you can tell, and I, because I'm graceful, okay, so it's fine. Um, 
I used to take ballet and I would go over to Mon Colonel's house and I, she had a sewing room and the stairs to the second floor were in the sewing room. And I would get my tape player. You may have to tell people your table what that is. Um, <laughs> I would get my tape player and I would always put on this Disney tape and it was, I always liked to do ballet to Lavender Blue by Burl Ives. And I, I mean, I remember it super clearly. I would, put, I would hit play, I would run up the stairs, I would come down and perform, and she would just watch me dance. She would, watch, she would sit there with her legs crossed as long as I wanted to dance. I could rewind the song, do the exact same song again. She would just sit there. When I think about discipleship, maybe I've spent so much time trying to figure out how to disciple, I've forgotten just to watch her dance, right? Maybe I've just forgotten just to watch her Dance, because the women you're gonna disciple have already got something that makes their heart beat. And they've already got a place where they are on fire. And we get the choice, instead of like coming up with all the right words, we'll let Jenny and them handle that. We don't have to come up with all the right words, we can just watch her dance, right? Because when, when she knows you're watching, she's gonna give you her best. She's gonna come in there and be her full self, Right, and maybe I've spent so much time trying to make like the perfect sausage biscuit, like homemade sausage biscuit that I've forgotten just to meet her in the driveway with what I have. Right, because I'll tell you, I, I don't remember what those sausage biscuits taste like, but I can see Ma walking toward me. Because she met me on the way to where I was going and offered something to me. Right, I, I didn't need a homemade biscuit. I wouldn't have remembered what it tasted like. What I needed was to know that someone was ready to meet me right where I was going and had something for me. She had the best she could offer. I mean, that scripture says, in season or out of season, whatever you've got. Amy said it, no one is disqualified. No one's disqualified. If there's a person on this planet younger than you, you have somebody to disciple. That's it. You are not disqualified. Your past hasn't disqualified you. Your education hasn't disqualified you. Your race or your socioeconomic status hasn't disqualified you. We need you to disciple us. We need you to disciple each other in and out of season. We are all called to do that. It's gonna look different in your life than mine. Some of you are gonna make homemade biscuits and I support you and call me, but that is not my story. I don't have time for that. I'm like Jenny, I had a small group in Nashville that I led and we, I would say, listen, I gotta go get my oil changed. So if you wanna get in the car, we can do that. And I can listen to your stories, we can talk about it, right? That's not a homemade biscuit, but, but I'm meeting her on the driveway, right? I'm meeting her on the driveway. And maybe I've spent so much time thinking that I had to learn everything before I taught anything, that I've forgotten that she just wants to know what I know, right? Like, Ma didn't know how to do everything, but she knew how to cross-stitch. And so I know how to cross-stitch. And she didn't know how to do everything or cook everything, but she made great cornbread dressing. And she taught my sister and not me. And like, rude, right? And I, I've never learned, but my sister makes it perfectly like my grandmother made it. Right, she didn't teach us how to cook everything, she taught us what she knew, right? Discipleship isn't that you have to collect all the information and give out all the information. You've already got it in you. Everything you need to disciple someone is already in you if you are following Jesus. All you gotta do is find the girl on the driveway, right? That's all you gotta do, tell her what you know. You do not have to learn everything. You're not disqualified. And, and 
probably you're like me and this a little bit too, that maybe I've spent so much time trying to find the right women to disciple, right? That I forgot that there's someone across the driveway from me, right? Ma didn't go anywhere off of Ebenezer Road. She just went to us. She discipled my mom. My mom discipled us. She discipled me and my sisters. She stayed on the driveway. She didn't have to use her car. Who's already on your driveway? Who is already living life with you? Because that's who you can disciple. Not even have to, it's who you can. It's who you get to disciple. Who is already on your driveway? Who is just on the other side of the street? Who is just on the other side of the pews at church if you go to one of those? Who is just on the other side of the chairs that connect? That's what mine's like, right? Who is just on the other side of the tracks? Who's just on the other side of the drive-through line at school? Pickup line, is that what y'all call it? I don't have kids, I don't know. Right, it's true. <laughs> Think it, someone else, there's other words. We don't, it doesn't matter. Right, who is just on the other side of where you already are? Who is in your church that is 20 that is just trying to figure out how to make a budget? Right, who is in your church that's in middle school that just wants to know she's gonna be okay? Right, who is in your neighborhood? Who, let me tell you, you know, some of the greatest mentors in my life were moms of families I babysat for in, my, in college and high school. Right, there are young women coming into your house every time you go out to dinner. And when you get home and have a 20 minute conversation about the guy she's dating, you're changing her life and you're discipling her. Right, she's already there, she is in your house. You do not have to go far. So the call is to persevere for the long haul of this discipleship thing. Stop making discipleship complicated and start making it part of your day-to-day life. Just stop making it complicated and start making it part of your day-to-day life. I have one more picture to show you because there's this little girl probably in your life too. Oh, There's a little girl like me in your story, but her jeans fit better, which is good. Um, I'll talk to my mom about that tonight. But do you see Ma sitting there? That's Ma, that's my other grandmother, Kath, and my Aunt Edith. I mean, I cannot read. There's no way, I, I'm looking at the cover. But do you know what, this, this picture matters so deeply to me because they had no idea where I was gonna end up. They had no idea what they were doing. All they knew is that they watched me dance. And they met me in the driveway. And they told me what I didn't know. They just taught me what they knew. All they did was watch a little two-year-old stand on a table. And that's all we have to do. Just persevere. And don't give up. Because just like my grandmother's, I I promise this is true of your life, it's true of my life. God is already using you to shape somebody and you don't even know. You don't even know how he's gonna use them. 
You may never know. I, I, I have so hoped. I don't know how heaven works exactly, but I have so hoped today that the Lord just let Ma watch. Because she had no idea. She had no idea that sitting at a picnic table and letting me preach from it mattered. Right? She had no idea. She had no idea that 30 years of discipleship would change me and make me a person who will not live a life where I don't get to disciple people. Because it, it, it changes you to be on that side too. So a few minutes ago, my dear friend and someone you adore, Amina Brown, and I were talking about this. And, um, and she said, I'm going to talk about my grandmother too. And so I said to Amina, would you come up here with me, if you will? We're gonna pray. And, and the reason I want you to see both of us is not just because we love each other deeply, but we do. It is because we are two women standing here on the shoulders of women who discipled us. We are here because somebody took time to hand me a sausage biscuit, right? Somebody took time to say to us that we mattered. Somebody took time to say to us that the gospel was real. And so we, we stand here together to say to you that you are building us again in the next generation. Like Jenny said, we're gonna see generations of disciples out of this. It's not hard, y'all. It's not hard. Just love. I'll give you guys one picture of where this is playing out in my family's life. And, and there are people in this church that are touching all of my children and, 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 and modeling Jesus in so many ways for all of my children. <clears throat> but, but here's a picture that I want to show you. <clears throat> that, that's my eight-year-old Lila, and that is Jessica Reisinger. And they're at her school having lunch together. Now, Jessica is on staff at this church as our Compassion Ministries Director. But that's not why she's eating lunch with my Lila. The reason why she's at that school is because Jessica is her second grade small group leader in the 11 o'clock service on Sunday mornings. And Lila can get those those eyes going and she can get that little face looking at you and man, she can talk you into anything. So I'm not really for sure how this went down and how Jessica ended up at school with Lila that day exactly, but I can promise you it, it probably went something like this. Jessica probably asked her a question one day about what she really liked, what she really loved, what, what really meant something to her and Lila said, because she says it to us quite often, is she just loves it when people come have lunch with her. It just makes her feel special. And I don't remember if it was that Sunday afternoon or maybe that next Monday. At some point, we were getting a text message from Jessica saying, hey, is it okay if I have lunch with Lila? What's the process to get checked in? Does my name need to be on a list? Do I need to call ahead? And what's amazing about this is Jessica didn't bring her some fancy lunch. Jessica just showed up. To use uh, Annie Downs' words, she just met her in the driveway with a sausage biscuit. And if you see Lila walking around the halls today, that was a couple of weeks ago, I guarantee you that still matters to Lila. 
because she knew that there was another adult beyond her parents and beyond her immediate family that cared so much about her that she took time out of her day to go spend 30 minutes at an elementary school cafeteria and sit with her and take a goofy picture on Snapchat or whatever that is and put fake glasses and send it to mom and dad so we could show her later. See, when we widen the circle of spiritual influence, we have a greater chance to make a lasting impact on a generation that we may not see. You may say, well, well how do you do it? I mean, what's your program? What's your, what's your ministry that you're going to launch? What's the new initiative? I'll give you our program. How many of you, when this service is over with, you're going to go to lunch somewhere? Raise your hand. If you're going to go to lunch, if you're going to eat after this service, really? Come on now. If you're going to eat after this service, raise your hand. This is how difficult this is. You walk up to somebody that maybe you don't know and you say, hey, or maybe you walk up to somebody you do know, and you say, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? I'd, I'd really love to spend a little bit more time with you. I, I want to say to all you empty nesters or soon-to-be empty nesters or folks that are kind of thinking about, you know, after 936 weeks, we have an amazing group of young families in this church who are in the struggle every single day. And to every empty nester that's here or soon to be empty nester, there is nothing in this world that would bring greater joy. I can speak for every one of the families. There is nothing that would bring greater joy to those families than to have you meet them in the hallway after church one Sunday and randomly say to them, hey, bring all your craziness. Bring all your chaos. Let's go grab some chicken at Zaxby's after, after church today and let's have lunch together. It starts something so simple. But the impact can be so profound. So as a church, we want to widen the spiritual influence, both against structured and non-structured. But one way that we want to do that is not just, again, for families. It's not just, again, for kids. But, but it's for people who are really genuinely hurting. Hurting in their life. Hurting in their, as they're struggling maybe to be parents. We want to come around them and love them and, and, and widen the circle of spiritual influence in their life and try to put them on a path to heal. And so I want to ask my wife, Kelly Stockdale, to come up. And I, I want to say in front of everybody, unapologetically, you're my wife, but Kelly is also on staff as our next gen director. She leads all of our family ministry. So everything from literally like marriage ministry all the way down to, you know, stinky babies and everything that happens in that world. She leads everything. And Kelly, I just want to say in front of everybody, I'm so thankful for your leadership and your wisdom and your insight. Kelly is the brainchild behind FX, around Embrace, all of these ministries that are making such a deep impact. Uh, it's because of Kelly's leadership and the team that she leads. And so can we just thank her uh, for what she's doing and the way that she's leading? But there is, um, and we're running a little long today. You guys just bear with me. We usually try to get you guys out right on the dot at an hour, but we're going to run a little long today. There, there is a, um, um, a burden that Kelly and, and several other ladies in this church are carrying. And uh, today, because it's Mother's Day and because there is a lot of pain that is associated with Mother's Day, um, I, we felt like it was most appropriate today 
to step into the middle of the pain, to step into the middle of the tension and talk about something that, as a church, we want to try to do to, to widen the circle of spiritual influence around a group of people in this church who genuinely struggle uh, with a certain area of their life. And so, Kelly, I'm going to turn it over to you and just let you lead this moment. Sorry. Um, we know that there are a lot of women out there who will um, who still hold babies in their heart that they're not necessarily holding in their hands now. And um, we know this because we know that the stats say that one in four ladies um, will have dealt with some type of miscarriage or, or loss. And um, we just felt like um, as a church that anytime you hear a stat like that, if we told it to you about heart disease, breast cancer, whatever it was that somebody was dealing with, we would want to come around them immediately and say, what can we do? And so we felt this way. Um, and um, I had approached several ladies who have um, walked the road of, this, of, of pain and dealt with miscarriage and, um, and some of them several miscarriages. And uh, we wanted to create a place where these ladies could get together um, to help each other um, hear from one another, where they could hurt together, and then where they could hopefully start to heal together. And so um, we're gonna have we're gonna have a meeting. It's called Made Known, um, and it, we we call it Made Known because it's a group for women to acknowledge the uh, the babies in the church in our community that were made by God. Um, they were known by their parents, and that they're made known through remembering them through this. And so we wanted to create a space for these ladies to meet up, um, to talk. And so on June 11th, we'll be having our first meeting. And it's not for ladies that just go to Grace Hill. This is for anybody in the community. If you have a friend or, or whatever, if you're a lady, that, um, and you would like to, uh, to bring them, that's what this is for. It's just for us to just gather together in, in groups and just talk with each other. And so we're, um, we're excited to be able to hopefully offer some of that. And beyond that, we want it to become more than, than just um, an event, a get-together we really want it to become a ministry so that when we hear of ladies that are dealing with things like this, that we can be there on the front lines with them, helping them. And so um, that's just sort of our hope for it. So if, if somebody was here today and, and they, they have walked this path and maybe they feel alone, maybe they were surrounded with a community, but they say, hey, you know, that's me or that's a friend of mine, that's a, a relative of mine, what next steps do they need to take? Yeah, you can visit gracehill901.com backslash made known, and um, we're going to ask that you register. It's only just so that we can know how to plan for the ladies that are coming for it, um, and so that's one of the best ways. You can register a friend that if you have one and you're, you were bringing, but um, just after this service, I already, or the, the first service, I had a ladies coming up to me saying, hey, that's my story, and I think there's just something that's so powerful when... Um, People can gather together and just say, hey, yeah, me too. Like, I, I, this is hard. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, if there's any other area in the life of our church where someone was facing a situation where one in four were carrying a burden or a journey, we, we would have to step in and try to come up with some way to care for that situation. And so I can't think of a more appropriate way to try to help uh, families heal and hurt and hear from one another 
than an opportunity to come together uh, in a situation like this. And so really it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, if, if this is a journey that you have walked, we, we want to invite you to be there uh, with us on that, on that night. Uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And the hardest part about a message like this was picking the passage of Scripture to illustrate the principle because if you look at the Gospels, this is what Jesus did. He widened the circle of spiritual influence wherever he went. And he took a bunch of nobodies. And he loved them. He did life with them. He was asleep in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a storm. He was with them when everybody was hungry. And he provided food. For, I mean, he just did life with them. And as he did that, he influenced their life and then released them. To be a force in the kingdom of God. And so hopefully today, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you've been challenged today to widen the circle of spiritual influence in your life and in this church. And so the way that we respond every week is we respond by going to the table and taking the Lord's Supper. And um, so as the team plays, you guys can go. As they lead us in a song, you guys can go. And, and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Remember the moment when he took the bread and he took the, the cup and he, he said to, to eat this bread and to drink the cup and to remember him, to remember his sacrifice that he made on our behalf. And I also want to say if you're here today and, and Mother's Day is hard for you, it's just a struggle for you maybe because of, of a loss, maybe because of an unfulfilled desire or hope to have children. There's some folks on our prayer team that are going to be down front. Just after we take the Lord's Supper, they're going to come and be down front. And this morning, if you just want to be prayed over for any area of your life, um, they are more than willing. I'll be down front, more than willing to meet you and to pray over you this morning. So let's stand together. We're going to sing and respond by taking the Lord's Supper today.